thing is awesome. Man, they don't have it in Mahaya yet, but in some big cities, you can now order something and get it the same day. Have you seen the Amazon Dash button? Um, this is an amazing thing. You push a button and boom, mac and cheese is ordered uh, to be delivered the next day. If you're running low on Gatorade, on coffee, on diapers or gum, you don't have to do anything but hit the button. One day, you're going to be able to make your own dash buttons. Think how handy that's going to be. As you guys know, I'm ahead of the curve and I made two of my own. I push this one and I get my favorite Bluebell ice cream delivered to me right wherever I am. Mm. Mint chocolate chip, if you're wondering. Mm. Well, listen, I'm not going to completely leave you out. Um, If I push this button, instant happiness. Cadbury eggs for everybody. Why? Because there is nothing healthier than a Cadbury egg. Think about it. Chocolate and sugar, you bite into it. It's a little bit messy. If you're visiting with us today and you're thinking, do they pass out treats every week? Yes, we do. We enjoy eating around here, don't we? Mm. That's good ice cream. Now, look, I'm realizing it's going to be really difficult for me to speak and eat eat ice cream. There's anybody that wouldn't be weirded out by it? I've got some ice cream here. Anybody want it? Yeah? Awesome. Sweet. Hey, enjoy that. Hey, you know what would be kind of cool? Maybe if you took that Cadbury egg and, like, broke it in half, used it to scoop it out. Man, just ooey-gooeyness greatness right there. Have you ever seen this? This is called film. Remember film? Years ago, you would load it into this thing called a camera, and you would take pictures with it. And when you were done, you sent the film by mail to another city. And after a week or ten days, pictures would show up in your mailbox. Then, yeah, they were always blurry. Man, then 24-hour photo came along, and you could drop off your film and get the pictures the very next day. It was so amazing. Now, can you imagine waiting 24 hours for a picture? Right? Forget that. We take a picture with our phone. We check it out. You know, we make sure that you look good, and we post it online to social media, all in less than 30 seconds. Hold on a second. I'd like to take an Easter selfie. Everybody smile. That'd be good. Uh, There used to be these places called video stores. Do you guys remember video stores? Where, Where you could rent a DVD or maybe if you're a little bit older, you might remember these. Okay, for all the young people in here, this is called a VHS tape. You had a big box like this that connected to the TV And what you would do is you would put this tape in there and a movie came out. But you also had to have another box to rewind the tape because it took forever to rewind in the VCR player. So then you would go to the video store to rent the movie that you wanted. 
And if the movie that you wanted was in, no problem. They put your name on a waiting list. A few days later, they would call you to let you know that you can now come rent the movie that you wanted. Now, there is no way that any of us would do that. You don't even want to wait for a movie to download. You watch it, you watch it instantly on Netflix or on demand, which means I demand to see it right now. You see, waiting is a thing of the past. If you go to Six Flags, you pay $69.99 to get in. But you can buy a Flash Pass Gold for another $65 that reduces the amount of time that you have to wait in line by 50%. Or you can get a Flash Pass Platinum for only $95 that reduces your waiting time by 90%. People pay more not to wait than they do to enter the park in the first place. If you are on your computer and you have to watch that spinning wheel while a program loads, it's time to get a new computer. If your internet connection is slow, you've got to upgrade to super, ultra, mega, giga speed. A computer science professor at the University of Massachusetts studied the viewing habits of 6.7 million internet viewers to see how long they'd wait for a video to load. You want to know how long they were patient for? Two seconds. After five seconds, 25% of the users had moved on. After 10 seconds, 50% had given up with the video altogether. The professor worries that someday people will be too impatient to conduct studies on patients. If you are younger than 25, you've grown up not having to wait. If you want to know something, you can just Google it for an answer and answer. Or even better yet, you can say Siri, and she'll give you the answers you have. I have the Amazon Echo in my garage. All I have to do is say, Alexa, play classical music, and she does. Or, Alexa, what time is it in Iceland? And she knows. Or, Alexa, Alexa, order Diet Dr. Pepper. And Alexa obeys. It's like the kid that you always wanted but never had. It's cool, but it's kind of weird for my wife to hear me talking to an imaginary friend out in the garage. There are a lot of good things about our instant society. It makes sense to know what is happening. It's better to see a picture immediately, get food quicker, or watch a movie right now. The problem is we have created the expectation of instant gratification. Right now, no waiting, immediate on-demand answers and solutions. But life often doesn't work that way, does it? When is he going to ask me to marry him? Where is she? I've been waiting for 10 minutes. What's taking so long? Why haven't they called me back? Not only is life not always instant... God isn't instant. You want immediate answers, immediate results, and on-demand blessings, but God doesn't operate on your timeline. For many people, this is a big challenge. It's why you walk away from God and give up on faith. You pray and ask God for an answer, but you don't see anything immediately change. 
Maybe you prayed and said, if, if God is real, if he really loves me, he'll answer me right now. And it didn't happen. Maybe you feel like you've got a promise from God, but nothing's happening. And you wonder, where is God? Why hasn't my answer come? How can God let this go on? You are impatient. And because God isn't instant, you decide God isn't present. You give up and lose trust in God because He is taking too long. Maybe you've been praying for your kids to get right, to to do right, and to return to the faith. Maybe you're praying for a relationship with a family member to be healed. Maybe you're praying for your marriage to be restored. Why is it taking so long for her to come back? You've been praying for your husband for years, but nothing seems to change. You know the promises that God has for your finances. You've been trusting and tithing, but you're still struggling. Maybe you've been praying and believing for your healing or someone you love not to die. You're reading scripture and getting extra prayer, but things seem to be getting worse instead of better. It might be something that no one else knows. God gave you a vision or a dream for a ministry, a business, a book, a spouse, a child. It's been a long time, too long, and nothing is happening. If you grew up in church, you are familiar with some of these phrases like standing on the promises, standing on faith, claiming the promises. God will work it out. Let go and let God. You see, even if you didn't grow up in church, somebody has probably told you something like that. Anybody ever heard those before? So growing up in church, we sang a song such as this. Standing on the promises of Christ my King, through eternal ages let His praises ring. Glory in the highest I will shout and sing. Standing on the promises of God, standing, standing. Standing on the promises of God, my Savior, standing, standing. I'm standing on the promises of God. Remember that song? Maybe you've been standing, claiming, quoting, praying, and letting go, but the answer hasn't come. It's been weeks, months, or even years God isn't working fast enough. In fact, as far as you can tell, God isn't working at all. Everything you see, all the circumstances point to failure, defeat, and hopelessness. You see, the gap between the promise and the fulfillment is where we struggle. The time that passes between the prayer and the answer, the problem and the solution often seems like forever. When the promises take too long, you let up in praying. You finally give up on prayer, on the promise, and on God. Maybe that's where you are today. It's a sad thing to watch and an even sadder thing to experience. You know what I wonder? Since you don't know and can't control God's timetable, what if you give up one day before the answer? 
One day before the promise is fulfilled. One day before your need is met. What if in your impatience you decide, that's it, I give up, I quit, just before God's answer comes? Let me ask a more difficult question. What if the promise doesn't come to pass in your lifetime? You've been praying for your kids, your grandkids, your spouse, a friend to come to Jesus. What if God answers, but after you're already gone? Does that count? Did God still answer? Did God fulfill his promise? Wait a second, Pastor Jason. That's not really what I want. I want to see the result. I want to experience the answer. I want a promise with a timeline and a God who meets my deadlines. Listen, it may not come on your schedule, but God is a promise-keeping God. His word is true. God doesn't change his mind or break his promises. Even when it seems like it's over, it isn't. Not with God. The cross appeared to be a place of broken promises. Jesus, God's very son, was unfairly accused, unjustly tried, and sentenced to death. Crucifixion was a horrible, gory, bloody, painful way to die. It was torture until death. Jesus was whipped. A crown of thorns was pressed into his scalp. Huge nails were driven through his hands and his feet. And then Jesus was lifted into the air on the cross. His entire body racked with agony and pain. Jesus bled and he died. And it appeared that all of his promises died with him. You see, Jesus promised things like, Come to me and I will give you rest. Nothing is impossible. Everything is possible if you believe. I will build my church. You will see the kingdom of God. You will be rewarded for your faithfulness. You will live forever. Great is your reward in heaven. Now it appeared that all of Jesus' words, his prophecies and promises were over. They were dead. They were gone. That Jesus really wasn't the Son of God after all. He was just an amazing teacher. Jesus' disciples were in the crowd around the cross that day. They left their homes, their businesses, and their families to follow Jesus. Now they watched their leader killed before their very eyes. And I can imagine the fear. If they kill Jesus, who's next? You see, followers of Jesus were in that crowd. People who believed that he was the Son of God, the Messiah, the Savior of the world. And suddenly, everything they believed in was destroyed. Mary, Jesus' mother, had been told by an angel that she would give birth to God's son. Now Mary watched and wept as her son died a horrible, humiliating death. But even while hanging on the cross, Jesus spoke words of life, hope, and promise. Wait a second, Pastor Jason, what are you talking about? I know what he said. How can you call those words of hope? This morning, I want to show you those words in an entirely different way. One that I believe will change your perspective on the cross. I want to present to you the possibility that Jesus was, in fact, singing in the cross. He was singing on the cross. Now, hold on. Don't decide I'm crazy until you hear me out. There are songs 
that most everybody knows. When you hear the first line, you know what's coming. You might even be able to sing along, right? Let's try it. So I'm going to sing the first, long, the first line, and you sing the second. You guys ready? Somewhere over the rainbow. Okay, listen, I would like you guys to have known a little bit better, and I'd love you guys to be even remotely in the same key. Hey, let's, let's, let's try it again. Twinkle, twinkle, little star. I love you, you love me. Okay, that's just pathetic. You are still watching Barney. Let's try one more. Who lives in a pineapple under the sea? Some of you guys knew those more than you did standing on the promises. I'm not going to say anything, though. There are also religious, spiritual worship songs that many of you quickly identify. If I sing the first sign, the first line, you know where I'm going. Many of you can even sing along. Let's try it again. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. How about this one? Then sings my soul, my Savior God to thee. One glad morning when this life is o'er. You see, music and songs are sticky. You remember them. Just hearing a few words puts the entire song in your mind. Jesus asked a question on the cross. Was my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That question has caused problems for Bible scholars for generations. After all, Jesus was God's only son and God himself. Obviously, Jesus knew the plan. He knew the price that he was paying, why he had to pay it, and who he was paying it for. So why did Jesus ask this question? Some scholars believe that it was the ultimate expression of Jesus' humanity. Jesus was both God and man, and the question came out of his humanity. Others believe in it, it was an emotional question. That Jesus was feeling the weight of the sin of all of mankind. But I want to show you something different. In Jesus' time, just like our time, there are songs in which the church sang that everyone knew. At that time, a well-known song of worship and inspiration was Psalms 22, which is our text today. If you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn with me. And the very first line of Psalm 22 is, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Wait a minute. That's the same thing that Jesus said on the cross. It's a strange way to start a song of worship, but that song would have been immediately recognizable to his disciples, the followers of Jesus, to Mary, and to the others around the cross. They would have known not just the first line, but they would have known what line came next. 
I can almost picture them singing the songs in their minds. And I don't know the tune, the tune to it, so I'm just going to read it to you. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me, so far from the words of my groaning? Oh, my God, I cry out by day, but you do not answer. By night, and I and am not silent. Doesn't sound very encouraging, does it? Let's look at verse 3. Yet, in spite of how it seems, in spite of seeming a lack of answers, you aren't absent. You are enthroned as the Holy One. You are the praise of Israel. In you, our fathers put their trust. They trusted and you delivered them. They cried to you and you were saved. In you, they trusted and were not disappointed. You see, this song says there is still hope. God is still faithful. God keeps his promises. Now look at some other lines from the psalm that directly parallel what was happening on the cross in verse 6. But I am a worm and not a man, scorned by men and despised by the people. All who see me mock me. They hurl insults, shaking their head. He trusts in the Lord. Let the Lord rescue him. Let him deliver him since he delights in him. Wow. That's exactly what happened on the cross, isn't it? Jesus was mocked and insulted. The soldier said in Matthew 27, 43, he trusts in God. Let God rescue him now if he wants him. You can't think that the soldiers were intentionally acting out their part in the song, but it's remarkable how similar the words were. Back to the psalm, verse 15. My strength is dried up like the postured. That's dry or broken pottery. And my tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. You lay me in the dust of death. That happened. Jesus said, I am thirsty. 16. Dogs have surrounded me and a band of evil men have encircled me. They have pierced my hands and my feet. That definitely happened. I can count on my bones. People stare and gloat over me. They divide my garments among them and cast lots for my clothing. Wait a second. That's exactly what they did, isn't it? The soldiers stripped Jesus and cast lots. They gambled to see who would get his robe. The song describes Jesus' experience on the cross. It's kind of depressing, isn't it? But it doesn't end there. If that was it, you would say, no way, no how. But let's look at the next part. The song switches from describing difficulty and opposition to words of praise. But you, O Lord, be not far off. O my strength, come quickly to help me. Deliver my life from the sword, my precious life from the power of the dogs. Rescue me from the mouth of lions. Save me from the horns of the wild oxen. I will declare your name to the brothers. In the congregation, I will praise you. You who fear the Lord, praise him. Praise him? Why? For he has not despised or disdained the suffering of the afflicted one. He has not hidden his face from him, but has listened to his cry for help. From you comes the theme of my praise in the great assembly. Before those who, will, who fear you will I fulfill my vows. You see, this is the message of the cross. Jesus fulfilled his vows. His mission on earth was complete. But the song continues in verse 26. 
The poor will eat and be satisfied. They who seek the Lord will praise him. May your hearts live forever. And the ends of the earth will remember and turn to the Lord. And all the families of the nations will bow down before him. For dominion belongs to the Lord and he rules over the nations. All the rich of the earth will feast and worship, and all who go down to dust will kneel before him. Those who cannot keep themselves alive. Posterity will serve him. Future generations will be told about the Lord. They will proclaim his righteousness to people yet unborn. That's everyone. That's the rich, the poor, people from all nations, from all ends of the earth. All people, all nations, all races, all colors, all generations, from all backgrounds, and every walk of life. Every soul matters to God. His cross makes salvation available for all, regardless of your past, your failures, or your sins. Everyone is invited. Everyone is welcome. If it wasn't for the cross, we would be lost in our sin. Thank God that everyone is included in the message of the cross. Now I want to take a look at the last line of the psalm. It's a triumphant song of worship. For he has done it. For he has done it. Well, what's cool about that? The word used here for he has done it is the same word said by Jesus when he said it is finished. Jesus said it is finished. He has done it. With his dying words, Jesus sent the people gathered around the cross a message. God is faithful. God keeps his promise. God triumphs. Even in the midst of persecution, he rules and he reigns. He has done it. It is finished. With his final words, Jesus was saying, even when it looks like it's over, it's not over. Even when it's been too long, when you feel defeated, God still has a plan. Could it be that Jesus' words on the cross were that song? That people listening would have recognized the first line as the beginning of a familiar song. As they rehearsed the lines of that song in their mind, they would have recognized what was happening. The worship song of David was suddenly seen as a song of prophecy. What had been written centuries before and sung through generations was coming to pass right before their eyes. Imagine that I was dying and you had gathered around my hospital bed and you heard me say these words. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, you would immediately begin to recognize the beginning of that great hymn it is well with my soul now imagine over the course of the next few hours you heard me say a few more scattered words my sin not in part but the whole were nailed to the cross and I bear it no more it is well it is well with my I never sang the entire song, but you would know where I was going. And finally, my last words were, It is well. It is well with my soul. You would recognize different parts of the song. 
and know the song that I was singing in death. It is well with my soul. You would recognize the message that I was sending. Don't grieve for me. All is well. I am in the presence of God. And as the crowd recalled the song that Jesus was sending, tragedy turned to triumph. Hope was renewed. They were reminded that God really is a promise-keeping God. They remembered one of Jesus' most important promises spoken a few days before, found in Matthew chapter 20. We are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be betrayed to the chief priests and the teachers of the law. They will condemn him to death and will turn him over to the Gentiles and will be mocked and flogged and crucified. But, come on. On the third day, he will be raised to life. Jesus kept his promise. On the third day, what we call Easter, Jesus rose again. He came out of the tomb alive and well. Jesus kept that promise. He keeps all of his promises. Every promise that he made was resurrected with him. But Pastor Jason... My promise is taking too long. It doesn't feel like it's ever going to happen. It seems like I'll never get what I'm praying for. Listen, don't give up. Even when it seems like it's too late, keep believing and trusting. If you have a promise but no results, if you have a prayer but no answer, keep trusting in the gap between the promise and the fulfillment between the prayer and the answer don't quit he is a promise keeping God if Jesus can defeat death and he did then he has the power to answer your prayer you can trust him and you can trust his timing would you bow your heads with me Maybe you're in the category that I talked about earlier. You've had a prayer that you've been praying with no answer, and you've given up on God. How can a loving God allow this? Maybe you aren't that far down the road, but you're in a spot right now between the problem and the promise, between the prayer and God's answer. You're struggling with trust. You're struggling to believe that it's not over. Like the followers of Jesus gathered around the cross. You look at the circumstances and it doesn't seem like what you believe and what he promised can ever come to pass. I want to pray with you. I want to pray with you right where you are. I'm not going to have you come stand up front or stand up. I just want to pray with you. If today you would say, I want to follow Jesus. I want to trust in God. If you say, Pastor Jason, pray for me, because that's where I am today. I'm struggling to believe. I'm struggling to trust. It just seems like it's taking so long. Pray for me that I will trust. If that's you, I want you to just raise your hand, and then we're going to pray. If that's you, raise your hand right there where you are. I see your hand here. Anybody else? Say, Pastor, pray with me. Heavenly Father, I pray for the people in this room that are in that time between the problem and the promise, between the prayer and the answer. I pray right now that that they would sense your strength and the help of God. 
that just looking at the cross and how in the worst moment on your life, you spoke the best words for our life. And I will remind them again that it's not over until you say it's over. You're a promise-keeping God. Lord, I pray that you would help us not give up, but to trust you. God, we trust you. We trust your timing. I pray for healing, for miracles, for deliverance, for financial provisions. We trust that you keep your promises. We thank you that you didn't stay dead, that you came out of the tomb powerful and alive and well. And today you are still powerful. We thank you that you, God, that we can put our faith and our hope and our dreams and our trust in you, that you never let us down. You rule and you reign. You will rule and you will reign forever and ever. In Jesus' name, amen. 